Welcome to the Northwood Baptist Church Podcast. This is Tommy Metter, lead pastor of Northwood Baptist in North Charleston, South Carolina, and I'm so thankful that you've taken the time to listen to the following message. If you'd like to learn more about our church, go to northwoodbaptist.com. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and subscribe to our podcast so you can have new content delivered to your device every single week. I hope the following message blesses you and helps you connect faith to life. Good morning, Northwood Baptist Church. That wasn't too bad. <laughs> um, yeah, it's so good to be with you all. And um, as Tommy mentioned, we've been in the States for the last six months on stateside and uh, getting ready next Tuesday, the 21st, we will fly back to Japan. Uh, so once again, we're Don and Teresa Broker, and our daughter Jolie, uh, who's out, she may be in here, but she's been manning the booth for us. She's here with us. Uh, but what's going to be different this time as we go back is we're just taking one of our three children. And so during this uh, stateside, we brought our second son back, and just this last week, uh, he started uh, classes up at North Greenville University. And so pray for him, uh, pray for us, uh, and I just want to, um, yes, uh, just as a reminder um, to pray for your missionaries, and so praying, of course, that they'll share the gospel faithfully and that their work will be fruitful and all of, all of that, but remember to pray for them, and, and maybe what you would say are kind of the ordinary things of life, right? And so for us going back this time and leaving two of our boys here in the States, not easy, you know, we, I've had people before, we've shared many times, and I've had people at the end of the service say things like, I'm so glad you're going because I couldn't, and then fill in the blank the reason why they couldn't go. And, and one of them was, I'm just too close to my family. And I was like, what? <laughs> I mean, I love my family. We love our families. And, and so, um, so it's hard to leave them here on the other side of the world, you know? And so but the things that we're experiencing, all of our missionaries on the field experience the everyday struggles of life that you experience. And some of those, you could say distractions or the things that want to pull them away from the work. And, but it's hard because they're so far away from family. If a parent gets sick or something else, they're, they're having to deal with that from on the field many times. And so pray for your missionaries. Uh, we appreciate it. Uh, I want to say thank you. Thank you for giving to the Lottie Moon Christmas Offering. Thank you for faithfully giving to the cooperative program. Uh, and you all, as a Southern Baptist Church, you know that something that we do that's unique and I think awesome as Southern Baptists is the way that we cooperate together for the purpose of missions. And so as you give to the cooperative program, as you give to the Lottie Moon Christmas Offering, that money, a percentage of the cooperative program and all of the Lottie Moon Christmas Offering goes overseas to support missionaries. And so I don't have to uh, come and ask you to support me so that I can go back to the field. You already have. And we are fully funded because of the generosity of Southern Baptist churches like yours. And so thank you for giving. Because you gave, because you continue to give, people like Ryuchi heard the gospel. There was a missionary there to share good news. He was at the point of desperation. He had no hope and I, I very much believe that he was going to follow through on taking his own life. But because there was an IMB missionary sharing the gospel that day, because you guys supported him, he heard the good news and he came to faith. And so thank you. 
And there's many, many other stories that I could share uh, about that. But thank you for giving. Please continue to give. Uh, because your IMB missionaries are going to difficult places. Right now, there's about 3,600 adult missionaries plus their children on the field. And we serve in some of the darkest and most difficult places because we believe uh, as the International Mission Board and as Southern Baptists that we want to push back the darkness, that we want to take the good news to people who have never heard before. And so pray for your IMB missionaries who are serving in some very, very difficult places. So this morning, the verses that we want to look at are in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. And so this passage, I hope it can be an encouragement to each one of us um, as we think about as believers, as followers of God, uh, what is it that we're to be about? Uh, why are we here? What are we to be doing? Um, and so this, uh, this word from Paul to the church at Corinth, I think, has application for us today. And so uh, let me read these verses for you. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. But by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord. With ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of of Jesus Christ. So as believers, I would say that each and every one of us has a ministry to fulfill. So why is it that, you know, Paul, he starts out in verse 1 and he says, we have this ministry and we do not lose heart. We do not lose hope. And I think oftentimes as believers, we do lose hope. Hope. We do lose heart. We feel discouraged and depressed. And, but so why is it that Paul said he did not? Well, first of all, it's because his confidence was not in the flesh, right? He was confident in God. He was confident in his calling. And he was also confident in the gospel. That's what woke him up every morning. That's what he was excited about. That's what drove him. And as believers, we need to have the same kind of focus. There's so much in this life that wants to distract us, that wants to pull our attention away from these central truths. And I think one of the things we notice as we're overseas and we'll go, so we've been on the field now for about 17 years. So every time we go back to the field and then come back and we stay in touch with people in the States, we're not out of touch, but it's just like, it's amazing to see how much the culture and society has shifted and changed. And so it seems like and there's more and more distracting us. I'm distracted. I've got my phone right here. Uh, I'm not checking messages. I've got my timer on here, though. But, I mean, we're, we're constantly distracted. There's so much that's pulling our attention away from, uh, from the gospel. And so, but we can have confidence in God. And so we, like Paul, 
if you are a follower of Christ, have been given a ministry to fulfill. What is it that Paul said? He said, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. And he had kind of this whole struggle like, it would be better, I'd rather just go to heaven and be with Jesus, right? But for your sake, I'm going to remain. And so, I mean, just thinking about that for a moment, as believers, so you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, you know that you will go and be with God in heaven for all eternity. Where's the best place that you could be? Where's the very best place that you could be? It's in heaven, right? I mean, we know that you know, from the Bible that in heaven there'll be no more sin, no more tears, no more death, no more pain. I mean, that's the very best place that you could be. So why has God left us here? Is he just mean? You know, just keeping you, you got to wait a little bit longer, wait a little bit longer. Why has he left us here? So I would say that because God has left us here is a clear indication that he has something for you to be doing. And it's not just pursuing that next promotion at work. It's not just raising the model family or, you know, buying uh, the nicest house in the neighborhood or, or getting another vehicle. It, it's not any of those things. He's left you here for a purpose, for a ministry. And I would say that it's, it's the gospel. And so you are here because there are still so many who have never heard. There are still so many in this world who have never heard the good news. And so we remain uh, to be ambassadors for Christ, right? Paul describes our role as ambassadors for Christ. And I love that picture because what is an ambassador? It's somebody who goes on behalf of their country or their king to take a message. And so we are ambassadors for Christ and we bring the gospel message to those who have never heard. We're called to be salt and light and to represent the kingdom of God everywhere that we go. Do you guys think about yourselves in this term, in these terms? Because to me, it's kind of exciting. Um, I've said a few times now, and I'm sure others have said this as well, but um, if you are experiencing a boring Christian life, like you think being a Christian is boring, like you come to church because you're supposed to, but you know the, the real exciting stuff happens uh, outside the Christian life, then you are doing something wrong. I mean, honestly. Uh, there is nothing more exciting than following Christ. There's, I mean, he calls you to, 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 to go to the edge, to take risks, to do things that are completely outside your comfort zone, and it is exciting to follow the Lord. So if you're not experiencing that, I'd say you're, you're missing out. You're doing something wrong, right? And so do you think about yourself in these terms? When you go to school, or you're a teacher, or you're, your workplace, uh, and you recognize that there's a lot of lostness around you, there's a lot of lost people, do you think about it that way? Like, I'm an ambassador for Christ representing the kingdom of God in this place. There are people here without hope. But I have hope within me that I can share with them. There is nothing else uh, that, can, that can cure what ails them in a spiritual sense than the gospel, and I represent that. I mean, that's kind of scary at times, right? But it's also extremely exciting. And, and through these verses, I hope you're encouraged because the good news is you're not on your own, right? You're not just called to do this by yourself. And so... Uh, so we have been called to share the gospel because that's the only thing that can make an eternal impact. Uh, Teresa and I, uh, we actually met in Okinawa, Japan. Uh, I was in the Air Force, and uh, her dad was civil service with the Air Force. And so uh, back in uh, probably like 1990 now. Wow, has it been that long? Um, <clears throat> but one of the things we ended up meeting and getting married and, and stayed in. And so uh, when I had been in uh, the Air Force about eight or nine years, we began to pray about the future 
pray about what God was leading us to do. Was it stay in and retire or maybe get out? We felt like maybe he was calling us into the ministry. And one of the things that I think when God spoke to me, one of the things I really wanted to consider, and it really didn't matter if I stayed in or got out, but it was this challenge. It was this desire uh, to use my life for things that had eternal value. And, and so to pour out my life for those things because our life is but a vapor, right? Uh, I mean, it's amazing. The older you get, you just realize how quickly time is passing. Uh, I can't believe we have two boys who are already in college. And, and so time is fleeting. And I want to use my life for the kingdom of God. And, 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 and I know that you also have that desire uh, to do that. And so thinking about how do we pour ourselves out into eternal things, and, and that's the gospel. So I loved the challenge, Pastor Tommy, that your church has was who's your oikos? And so you think about uh, who are the people uh, in your family and your areas of influence. And, and so because it can become overwhelming, uh, I'll tell you, there's 126.5 million people in Japan and less than half percent believers. And so honestly, it can become very overwhelming for us as missionaries to go, where, how do we get uh, to the darkness that's here? And well, we begin with those people that God's placed around us, right? Um, and so I, I love this. And I'll pray for you guys as you uh, do this as well. And you fill out uh, the names of your friends and family and you pray for them. And I promise that God will open doors uh, for the gospel because God is at work. Do you guys believe that God is at work? Do you believe that he is actively working today uh, here in this church, in the community? Um, so I, I had shared a story earlier, and I'll share it again about uh, because it just came across my Facebook feed uh, the last couple of days. But my mom was sharing that uh, she was having a bad day, um, and she had done a few things. And she, you know, she just was kind of having a bad day and needed to get out of the house, so she was going to go shopping. And so she went up uh, to the store and shopped for a while. And as she was heading home, she really felt impressed by the Lord that he wanted her to stop by the nursing home. There was a local nursing home that she had intended to get by. It's where my grandfather had lived before he passed a few years ago. And so as she, as she, she said, okay, God, I'll go. And she stopped and got out. And as she walked in, she found the director. And the director said, I'm so glad you're here. The timing is perfect. She was sitting there with an 80-year-old lady uh, who was asking her some questions. And so my mom sat down and kind of took over. And, and the first question the lady asked is, did God really write the Bible and uh, I mean, that's kind of out of the blue, right? Uh, and, and so she said that from that question, the lady just began to ask more and more questions, and God was working in that lady's life. And before their conversation was over, she prayed to receive Christ. I mean, I wonder how many opportunities we miss out because we are not sensitive to the leading of God, right? And that's the way God works. He's constantly prompting our hearts to go and speak to this person, do this act of kindness and service to this, and we miss out and we have excuses God is working in this world. And if we want to be a part of what, he, what he's doing, we need to be sensitive to his prompting. And so here's what we see in, uh, in, in verse 2. We know that we have a message to share. So we have a ministry to fulfill, but we also have a message to share. And so what Paul says about it, he said, we've, we've renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways, and we refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. And so... Uh, the thing is we need to be aware of is that with the gospel, just like, think again about the ambassador. When you've been sent out as an ambassador uh, to another country, let's say, you bring the message 
of your country. You bring the message of the king, and you don't change it, right? If you change the message, like, I know, I know what the president said, but I think you'd probably rather hear this. Uh, you probably won't have your job very long. Uh, and so as believers, we've been given a very clear gospel message to share. And sometimes it's difficult, right? The words of the gospel, the Bible tells us it's offensive to those who are perishing, right? And so, but we know that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. And so it is imperative that as followers of Christ, those who are on mission with God, that you know the gospel, that you know the word of God. And so it's more than just maybe memorizing a gospel presentation, but it's understanding the gospel, how that impacts your life every day. And, and, and really, so we need to spend time in the word. We need to spend time in prayer. Uh, we need to preach the gospel to ourselves often, being reminded of the great work that God has done in us. And then as we share with others, we're sharing out of the power you know, of the Holy Spirit that's within us, out of our own experience of, of growing and walking with the Lord. And so um, sometimes, and, and as missionaries, we struggle with the exact same things that you guys do, um, with fear. And sometimes we're afraid to share with others because we know that in many cases, uh, people are going to reject the gospel. They're not interested in hearing it, right? They're, and so what I've seen, and it feels like this is happening more and more here in the States, is it feels like the culture is working really hard to silence believers, right? Working really hard uh, to tell us that what we have to say is not relevant, it's no longer culturally appropriate, and, it's, and so just be quiet. You can do your religious thing off to the side. And the problem is if we begin to believe that, if we begin to accept that, and so... We cannot conform to this message. We just, we can't. Why? Because there's too much at stake, right? Life and death, hope versus despair. All of these things, they hang in the balance. This is the reality, right? And so um, in Japan, some of the, and I don't know how much you guys know about the culture there, and so, uh, but suicide is a huge problem. So you saw that in the video, but that was not a unique isolated situation. The truth is, Japan has one of the highest suicide rates in the world. Uh, every week when we ride the trains there, and uh, we can, you know, I often tell people, I can set my watch by the trains. I mean, they are on time, never late. It's, it's pretty amazing uh, for living in a city with 38 million people, how organized everything is. But the trains are always on time until they're not. And all of a sudden, the train may stop. Or you may get an announcement up on the board that says, this uh, train line is delayed due to human accident. And what that means is so many times somebody's jumped in front of the train to end their life. And um, um, yeah, it, it's, uh, that's a, it's a huge problem in Japan. Bullying is also an issue. Uh, it's one of the ways that the Japanese, I, I feel like, use bullying and kind of peer pressure to keep people conformed. Um, and so this happens not just in the schools, but all throughout, even in, in workplaces. And one of the moms not long ago said, oh yeah, the PTA is one of the worst places you can imagine. And, and, and so um, there are all kinds of bullying that goes on. There's another thing called hikikomori. So that's, that's a Japanese word. And so basically this affects about 600,000 to a million young Japanese, mostly men between the ages of 18 and 30. And the pressures of society have gotten to be too great. And so they haven't taken their own life, but they've withdrawn from society and they're virtual hermits. They refuse to leave their homes. Uh, many times they're, they're living with their parents, but they won't even leave their rooms. And so and because this is such a shameful thing, 
uh, in Japan, nobody talks about it, but 600,000 to a million people. Overwork is a huge problem in Japan as well, as well as fear of man. And I would say if I were to pinpoint maybe what one of the greatest obstacles to the gospel in Japan, it's this, fear of man. And so this affects non-believers, but, a believe, but believers as, as well. So in Japan, we have this thing called wa, which is harmony. And this is a very high-valued uh, part of the culture. And so what it means is, you know, we want to maintain uh, public and communal harmony at all costs. And so me as an individual, I should never do anything that would negatively affect that harmony. And so I'm always, always thinking about all of my actions and how that will impact somebody else. Well, in some cases, that's good, right? We do want to consider others. But this is taken to the nth degree, so much so that it forces so many people into isolation. They're taught as children not to show a lot of emotion, not to get too angry. Too. And so what, it, what it's done is many people have stuffed their emotions, and so it's causing people to live in isolation. And so that fear of man is also uh, evident in the church. And so many believers also have a very hard time sharing the gospel with somebody else because they're afraid that, you know, it may upset them or, or something else, and so they don't. Um, so what I want us to see here in these verses, and, and hopefully this can be encouraging because um, we know that we have a ministry and a, and a mission that we want to be a part of, uh, but how's God, where, where's God come into all of this, and uh, what are we to do uh, in this situation? So verses 3 through 6 answer this. And it tells us, first of all, and I think it's important that we understand what is the spiritual reality that's going on right now among people who are lost, right? And so, um, because it's not just a matter of, I talked about feeling overwhelmed at times, if we as Southern Baptist missionaries, or even just all the missionaries who are in Japan said, it's on you to see that the 126.5 million people in Japan hear the gospel and have an opportunity to respond, it can be very overwhelming. And for you as well. If I say you're responsible for everybody in your workplace uh, and God's counting on you alone uh, that they might hear the gospel and be saved, that's a lot, right? It's a huge burden. And so, but the truth is, and what these verses tell us is that, let's look at it again together. Verse three, the gospel is veiled. It's veiled to those who are perishing. And in their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel. Um, I'll do this quick, but just to illustrate this real quick, how many of you guys have flown on flights over 10 hours? That's a lot of people. It's, you guys are pretty well-traveled. Uh, a couple of years ago, I think there was, and we traveled quite a bit for our role and, and all that, but a couple of years ago, I had about three or four flights coming up almost back-to-back -back within just a few-month period that uh, I was going to be flying internationally. And so I finally convinced my wife that I needed some uh, noise-canceling headphones. These are great. Uh, and no, I'm not being paid to to endorse these, but they are wonderful. And so I can get on the flight and put these things on and flip them on. And, um, but I want to use this this morning to kind of illustrate what's happening with those who have yet to believe. When he talks about people being blinded and they're not able to hear or to see at all, it's kind of like this. I mean, so when I get on the flight, um, if, especially now that the kids are older, when they were younger, my wife was not allowing it. And I probably shouldn't have. But um, when I get on the flight, oh, real quick, I meant to bring my own sleep mask, which I'll okay, but I had to borrow, I left it at home, so I had to borrow my daughter's. So it's a uh, rainbow unicorn. <clears throat> and so uh, anyways, when I get on the flight, if I want to take a nap, I'll put on my, my eye mask, 
put on my headphones, and if I really need to rest, I might even take a melatonin or something. And I'll tell you what, if I do that, turn on a little music, and I, I can just be out, and I'm virtually dead to the world. And so the truth is, in that moment, I mean, if that plane were to start to go down, I'd have no clue. I would need somebody to come and physically you know, shake me, wake me up, and say, the plane is going down, we need to get off now. Uh, so I am in a position where I'm going to die without somebody else stepping in, right? But the truth is, that's the condition of those who are lost right now, right? The God of this world, Satan, has blinded them, and they have no hope within themselves. And so this could be kind of a, a maybe a discouraging word, but the good news is uh, they are not left without hope. And so let me put it this way, because my daughter said she would let me borrow this if I was very careful with it. So I'm going to be very careful and put it back away. <clears throat> so that's the picture of those who have yet to believe. So the reality is, this is the reality for all of those who uh, do not know Jesus Christ. This is also the reality for, you guys know that at this moment, there are still over 1 billion people in the world today who have never heard the gospel. In fact, they don't, even, they don't have gospel access. The Bible's not been translated in their language. Uh, for many of them, there's no missionaries who have yet been sent to take the good news there. There's a billion people, a billion, who have yet to hear the good news. And so when I think about you know, God's call to all of us to take the good news to the nations and, and all that, I, I think, what is God... Uh, you know, heart, what is God's heart towards those who are lost? Um, and, and how should we respond? God's, I know, he is not okay with this, right? He's not okay with a, a billion people who have never heard. And so at the same time, we can't be okay with that, with that reality. One billion people who have never heard uh, the name of Jesus. In Japan, as, as I've already said, the vast majority of the 126 million people have not heard the gospel. And even here in Charleston, in North Charleston and Charleston, there are tens of thousands of people who do not have saving faith in Jesus Christ. And so the current reality of all of these people is, is what? They are on a path. Unless something changes, unless God intervenes and they hear the gospel and they respond, they are on a path to, to, to living their life and dying and being eternally separated from God. And so do you remember your life before Christ? Do you ever stop and think about it? Think about what God has done in your life and, and what your life was like before him? Uh, I, I think we need, to, uh, we need to pause and reflect because oftentimes when we're maybe on this side of, uh, of our salvation, uh, our relationship with God, it's easy for us to maybe even look down on folks who have not yet believed and we, uh, we oftentimes are accused of being hypocrites, Right? But for each and every one of us, we were at one point in that same position. We, uh, and so remember, remember how the gospel impacted your life. Uh, there's something that I want you to see here also that, um, and just be reminded of, uh, is that um, many times we're discouraged when people refuse to listen or they're uh, not uh, willing to, to hear the gospel. But there is a spiritual aspect to all of this, right? And so just remember that they are blinded and God has allowed them to be blinded by Satan. 
And so, uh, and we know that Satan is only able to act as, as God allows him to. You remember the story of Job where Satan had to go and ask permission of God uh, to, to allow some of these hardships into Job's life. And so it only happens as God allows it. But, uh, and, and what do we know about Satan? I think this is important because we do need to know our enemy, know who is, uh, in many cases, working against us and working against the gospel. In John 8, Jesus says that he was a murderer from the beginning and he does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he lies, when Satan lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a lie and the father of lies. And so um, we know that Satan seeks ways to distort the truth. God is the God of truth. He is the author of truth. All truth is from him, and Satan seeks to distort it. And so when I think about the Japanese, so it seems as if Satan uses different tactics among different people in different places. And so in Japan, as we look at uh, the work there, the lies that Satan is speaking to the Japanese is this. He says, you will never be good enough. The standard is perfection, and you can never attain that. And there's so much pressure in Japan to perform to be excellent in all things, no mistakes. And, and so that's a lie of Satan, though. No one really knows you or understands you. And so this leads to isolation. There are many people and that we've had wives tell us and, and others that, like, nobody knows me. Not even my husband knows what's really within my heart because for so long I've had to stuff it. And you have no value. And, or maybe you have to earn your value. And so we know with all of these, like, those are lies of Satan. That's not the truth of Scripture, the truth of God. And so, but what does the Bible say then um, in opposition to those lies? He says, your perfection is not the goal. God's glory is the goal, right? Your perfection, that's not the goal of your life. God knows you and loves you, and he cares about you. And so, and we also know that each and every person is valued. They are God's wonderful creation, and that they were made uh, in the image of God. And so thinking about uh, here in our community, here in North Charleston and South Carolina, thinking about what are the lies that Satan is using to deceive people? What are the lies that he's speaking into the lives of, of, of people uh, that we can use the truth of Scripture to dispel and speak against uh, those lies? And so we know that as believers, we need to be about sharing the gospel, sowing seeds, and making disciples. So in verse 5, what does Paul say? He says, For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. And so I think that you know, the application here as we think about uh, our role as uh, bearers of the gospel, ambassadors, we need to do this in a very humble way, right? I think it's very easy. And for missionaries, we have the same uh, temptation, I guess you could say, is like, Okay, we're going to this country to, to save the, the heathens, I guess. Or some, you know what I mean? Like, they need the gospel, and so we're going to bring it to them. Uh, they should be so glad that we're coming. And, but the truth is, when I examine my own life and, and my own testimony, I know there's nothing within me that's good. There's nothing within me that deserved God's grace and mercy. It was all God, right? And so as we share the gospel, we share it from a place of humility, uh, we, like Paul, we, we seek to serve others. Um, so uh, I don't know if you've heard this quote or not, but it says, evangelism is merely one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread, right? This is all we've got. We can, this is what, I, I don't know, but this is what God has done for me. And so uh, that's, that should be our posture and our position as we share. We know that, you know, we have been blessed to be a blessing, uh, 
I love this, um, this story. Uh, a few years ago, uh, there were uh, a group of Chinese pastors and missionaries uh, that got together, a large group that met together, and they began to pray about a vision for the future. And they felt like God was leading them to commit to send 20,000 missionaries uh, by the year 2030. I think the date might have been adjusted a little bit at this point. I'm not sure. But so 20,000, they wanted to send 20,000 missionaries by the year 2030. That's pretty ambitious, right? You say, well, where did they get that number from? Or where did that, is just some arbitrary number? Or what's the meaning behind it? And so they estimated uh, that over the years, approximately 20,000 people, missionaries and other Christians, had come to China and brought the gospel there. And so they said, we are the beneficiaries of these missionaries and others who have come and shared the gospel with us. And so now we have a gospel debt uh, to go to the nations, to go to those people who have never heard before. And so we're committing to send out 20,000 missionaries into the world. I think what's interesting is, um, you know, when I think about it, it's like, well, I have a gospel debt too, right? Each and every one of us do. Uh, Obviously, we're indebted to Jesus ultimately. But somebody, if you're a Christian, then there was somebody in your life who was faithful to the call of Christ, they were faithful to the gospel, and they shared the good news with you, right? Nobody became a believer in a vacuum. And so you can think about your own story. Somebody was shared with you. And so now, each and every one of us have a gospel debt uh, to carry that good news to others who have never heard. And so what do we need to do? How do we kind of simplify this? First of all, pray. Pray for your oikos. Pray that God would open your eyes to, to the people around you, and for opportunities. Seek. So seek God at work. So every day as you go out, look. Look with your spiritual eyes, right? If you've already prayed and said, God, prepare my heart, help me to see others as you see them, and help me to see you at work, he will do that. He will answer that prayer. He will. And, 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 and so seek, see where God might be at work. It's been interesting to me as we've come back, you know, throughout the years, but one of the things, in some ways, it feels like we as a society have become a little more isolated also and a little more private. Um, we, have, we have a little more personal space kind of thing. But it's been amazing to me that uh, as you engage people, and I've had many opportunities on planes and other, and, and, be, and just show even just briefly that you care about them and you're, you're interested in their life, how much people have op- will open up to you and share just things. It's like, I can't believe you're sharing this with me. But People are carrying around such burdens, right? And so we as believers, we should care. We should be a person who is engaging people. And so when you do that, people will open up and share. And then so finally, so pray, seek God at work, and then finally act. And that may be the scariest part, but when God gives you an opportunity, step out in faith. And this is where it gets exciting, right? This is where you're actually going to see God working. I'm sure that if we went around the room, many of you would have testimonies of that kind of a situation where it was like, Okay, God was prompting me to speak. I had no idea what I was going to say, and I just started sharing. And the Holy Spirit came alongside me, and he gave me the words to say. And I could just feel you know, God's power working within me to minister in that situation. And if you've ever experienced that even once, you want to do it again. It's like, man, that, it's kind of addictive, I guess you would say, you know, uh, working and, and having God's Spirit work through you. And so act, take risks, and follow out in faith. And so... Um, praise be to God that this is not solely dependent on us. And that's verse six. And this is really the key, right, in all of this. So let's read that one more time together. For God 
who said, let light shine out of the darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the faith of Jesus Christ. And so, verse 6 is the best part. God is always the hero, isn't he? Uh, So many times through Scripture. But God, with God, all things are possible. And so, here, again, it's not dependent on us. It is God alone who shines light into those dark places, who removes the blinders from those who have not been able to see, who takes you know, the, the headphones off, I guess, of the, of the ones who cannot hear and allows them to hear the good news. Um, and so, you know, when we, when we hear about this depiction of light, <clears throat> we think about two, I mean, immediately I thought about two different accounts in Scripture. One is creation. And so now it's the beginning of the year. Maybe many of you are reading through the Bible. And the first recorded words in the Bible of God are what? Let there be light, right? Very first thing that, that God speaks that's recorded in Scripture. And then the second one is Paul's conversion, right? On the road to Damascus, a light came down out of heaven. And, and Paul, why are you persecuting me? And God's light shone into his heart and he was transformed. And I wish, you know, I wish that it was always so visible for us today because sometimes we say, well, where's God working? I have no idea. Uh, and maybe sometimes we even want to play the Holy Spirit, right? We think about sharing the gospel and sometimes we like to look around and go, you know what? I think that person is ready. It seems like God's ready. And so I'll go share with them. The truth is we usually many times do not have any idea, right? God is working in people's hearts and sometimes it's unbeknownst to us. And so the gospel can be a filter at times to see where God is working. And so as we share the good news of the gospel, people are saying, man, I've had lots of questions about that. I want to know more. And so we, we just have to share um, with them to see where God is at work. Um, Ephesians 2, 4 and 5 says, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love which, with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And in Romans 5, 8 says, But God shows his love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So it's all God. Ultimately, the work, uh, the most important work, the work of opening uh, the eyes of the blind is the work that God does. But in his graciousness, he allows us to be a part of it, right? And so we know that John 6, says that no one can come to the Father unless, uh, unless uh, the Father draws him. And so do you remember, again, do you remember the time in your life, believers, where God spoke to you clearly, where you knew God is real, and this gospel is true, and you gave your life to Christ. I would encourage you, often, go back and and meditate upon that time and remember the great work that God has done in your life because your testimony is a very powerful tool that God will use to impact the lives of others. I want to share with you just for a couple of minutes as I close um, some of the great things that God is doing in Japan. And so I think... uh, Again, I don't know how much you know about the work there, but we, I mean, we've had missionaries there for 130 years. We have, it's one of our earliest mission fields in the world. And, and, so, and to be at this point and still have less than half percent believers, that can be kind of discouraging, right? But the truth is, and so oftentimes we can easily focus on kind of the, 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 the struggles and the, the obstacles to the gospel, but the truth is God is at work um, we have 70 adult missionaries and um, 
serving in Japan among seven teams throughout the country. And at this point, every one of those, uh, every one of those teams, and this has all begun just within the last couple of years, are actively uh, planting new churches. So praise the Lord for that, right? They are also actively working with local Japanese congregations. And so the church in Japan, so that's one of the things, uh, uh, Japan is the second largest unreached people group in the world, and it's the only one in the top 10 that's actually an open country. And so we have churches there. So pray for the church in Japan. In many cases, it's small, and it's weak, and it's, but it's the bride of Christ, right? God loves his church. And so we have been uh, challenged, I think, in many ways, and, and our desire is to walk alongside the Japanese church and see it strengthen, see it grow, because we know that if Japan is going to be reached with the gospel, God is going to use the Japanese people to do it. And so your IMB missionaries there are working uh, tirelessly to, to, to walk alongside Japanese believers and help disciple and train them uh, for the work, and that's happening. In 2019, in fact, we saw more believers come to faith, more Japanese come to faith last year than we had seen in many years. Uh, and so God is at work. We've got a missionary couple who have been serving there for 40 years now. And they've said the same thing. They said, God is up to something in Japan. And we are so glad that we're still here to see, see what God is going to do. And so pray for the work in Japan. Um, I am confident uh, that God is also at work here. And so the challenge, once again, and what I would want you to leave with this morning is uh, God has left you here for a reason. You've got a ministry. You've got a mission to accomplish. And God has invited you to be on mission with him. He's also given us the great task as the church to see the nations reached, right? And so I love that everything God asks us to do is, is way beyond our own capabilities, right? Everything. That's a good thing, right? It forces us to be dependent on him. And so God has given us that task, that mission. And so pray this morning, consider this morning what part God would have you to play, you individually, believer, your family to play, to see the nations reach the, with the gospel, to see your community uh, reach with the gospel. And I promise God has a task for you. And so um, let me pray for us, and then we'll close. Father God, I thank you so much for your gospel message. I thank you for uh, the love that you showed us, that even while we were your enemies, you sent Jesus to die for us, God. Thank the, I thank you, God, that you have given us as believers a mission and a ministry to fulfill, and God, that you are with us. And so, Father, I just pray, uh, Father, that you would lead us this week, uh, give us hearts uh, to, to, to be sensitive to you, Father, help us to see how you are working around us, and God, I just pray that you would give us many opportunities this week to share the good news uh, with those who you bring in our path. We love you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Rise to your feet as we have time of invitation together. And you respond to how God has led you this morning. Maybe you want to come and pray for those that you know who are far from Jesus. Maybe the Lord is leading you another way. Maybe you want to place your faith in the one who gave his life for you, Jesus, who died and rose again. You want to turn to him. There are people at these crosses in the back room who would love to talk to you and pray with you as you make that decision. However God leads you in these moments, you respond to him now.